All right, would you pray with me? God, what a gift it is to be here this morning. And we want to receive that gift from you well, which includes vision, which includes uh, some real challenges from your scriptures. And so for each of our hearts, may we first feel and know the love of Christ, the love of Almighty God, wherever we sit, wherever our relationship to the church, uh, or this church may be. And we thank you, God, that we stand as a member of many different expressions of one family, which is your church gathered around the world, and specifically the Bethany Community Church family here in Seattle. Thank you. Bless our time together. Bless our our other locations and their congregations. May we worship you now uh, through this time. May the words of my mouth and the things that we consider in our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. How many of you were at Bethany Community Church in 2012? That's when that video came out. All right, so it's four years old. Do you guys remember that video? Do you remember watching it? Okay, so this is nostalgic for some of you. I watched that video when I was a pastor in Colorado in 2012, and it stunned me because I'd never heard of doing church like that. Some of you come from other locations where, you know, multi-site and church planting and all that maybe is a little bit more familiar territory. It wasn't for me. And so I watched that video in my office. I took my laptop and I went around the corner to my senior pastor's office in Colorado and I showed it to him and I said, I've never seen anything like this. This is remarkable. And it was so energizing and compelling to me. I love that at Bethany Community Church, we have a vision for where we are going. And this was the vision we articulated four years ago. Now, the funny thing about vision, those of you that that work in this or that you've built business plans and all that kind of stuff, uh, it's one thing to plan. It's another thing to live into the reality of that vision. And so there are elements of that video that some of you may have picked up on that we didn't plan for or that haven't happened, right? Uh, The east side is not mentioned as one of the locations in that video. Uh, So that was something that was not planned for. Richard uh, has not gone around and taught at all of our different locations. That's for a variety of reasons. Uh, But Pastor X did arrive. That's Jack Brace over at Bethany Northeast. Then there's Pastor Y, who's Brad at Bethany Ballard. And you guys are stuck with me. (laughs) Speaking of which, this was not planned. Look around. Just take a look around at the people who are sitting here. Look at the people sitting next to you. Look at this space. This was completely unplanned. That's the power of a compelling vision from God, is that stuff happens that was not planned planned that honors God. So before I got here, a group of people got together and said, we like this vision. We want to be a part of this vision. Let's start a house church. And so not far from here, a group of people started worshiping together in the Brammer's living room. We were live streaming the services from Green Lake. This all happened before my time. We outgrew the house. There was not any more room in the house. And so we came here. And so ever since my family and I arrived here about a year ago, One of the questions that I've wrestled with, that I've held out before God in prayer, is why? Why do we exist? Why did God say there needs to be an expression of the Bethany family on the east side? Why? And as simply as I can put it, we exist for the sake of community. We do not exist for convenience sake. We do not exist just because it's easier to come here than it is to drive across the lake. We exist to grow together in our life as a church, a true church. I told people when I got here, y'all were a church before I showed up. 
because you worship God and you celebrated the sacraments and you were thriving in your life together. You didn't need me to come in and ruin your party. We are here to be a community, a community that exists to deepen our relationships with one another through Jesus Christ and a community that deepens our commitment to our city, all the cities that we call home, blessing and reaching others for the sake of Christ. That's what I mean when I say community. And many of you that have been here a long time, you get this. This this is part of why you're here. I would say that for some of us, though, we would say community is the missing piece in our lives. Last week, we talked about Moses' journey. We're wrapping up our sermon series today on Moses' life. And we talked about how at the end of Moses' journey, he has this moment where he can kind of lay out some final instructions for the people of Israel. And we summarize it by saying he's talking about the good life. What does it mean to live the good life? And last, year, or last week, we talked about that involving uh, remembering. We talked about it involving worship and sacrifice. But the thing that I teased at the end was that he needed community. The good life, when Jesus gives it to us, always involves community. How many of you have ever done this before? Jill and I did this for a little while. You show up to church, and you get there kind of late, and I'm not knocking being late because I have kids, but I have to get to church early so I can kind of opt out of that. But you get to church late, they're through the first couple of songs, you listen to the sermon, and immediately you're off to your car. You don't have to raise your hand, but I've done that and it's miserable. Do you know why it's miserable? Because you're missing community. You're missing the chance to have a cup of coffee with somebody you don't know well yet. You're missing the chance to have some kid bump into your leg and you can talk to them and bless them and see what's going on in their lives. Many of us might be okay with that model of church. I'm not. And Bethany Community Church East Side is not going to exist. It's not gonna thrive if that's the model of church that we decide to embrace. We miss out on community. We miss out on this amazing journey that God has for us. And I want to give some specificity to this, and I'm just going to touch on this briefly, but we'll get into it a little bit more deeply as we head into the fall. I think we exist, answering that why question for Bethany Community Church East Side, we exist to be a member of the Bethany family that glorifies Christ specifically by raising up leaders and by reaching skeptics. And those are two things that are already kind of in our DNA, But I think those are going to be the big, challenging things that we chase down for the years to come. What does all of this have to do with Moses? Well, if you want to turn to your bulletin, you can kind of see where we're going to be going together as we finish up our study of the life of Moses. Huge moment in Moses' life, and I think this week and next week are going to be big moments for us in our life together, too. We're going to talk about the bigger picture. We're going to talk about how we're called to point forward. And then I'll lead us in a prayer exercise at the end of our time together to kind of wrap all this up. And we'll come back uh, to this incredible vision that we touched on uh, in the video as well. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me uh, to the passage that Daniel read for us. This is Deuteronomy 34. And Daniel read 1 through 4 or excuse me, 1 through 5. I'm just going to read verse 4. So God has taken Moses up with him to the mountainside. This is on the cusp of going into the promised land. They're looking at this incredible view together, and here's what the text tells us. The Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So here's what I want you to picture. Do you, have, do you have a favorite hike? Or do you have a favorite summit when you go skiing? Like when you get off the lift and you're just looking out and it's glorious. Can you, can you picture that? 
That's what Moses is looking out at. He's looking at this incredible view into the promised land, but he can't go. Why can't he go there? If you just flip your Bible back one page to Deuteronomy 32, God tells him why he can't go there. This is Deuteronomy 32, 51 and 52. You shall die, or excuse me, 50. You shall die there on the mountain that you ascend, and you shall be gathered to your kin as your brother Aaron died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his kin, because both of you broke faith with me among the Israelites at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin by failing to maintain my holiness among the Israelites. Although you may view the land from a distance, you shall not enter it, the land that I'm giving to the Israelites. Moses can't go in because God is holy, because God is just. A just and holy God can't abide the kind of leadership that Moses was starting to fall into. He didn't lead the people well, and he didn't see the whole picture. He did not see the whole picture. Now, that's very key for us. When we think about our our businesses, our pedigrees, our education, our ability to understand stuff, we have to stop short of giving ourselves what I think we often do in our culture, and that is the purview that God alone has. We're going to miss stuff. Moses missed the big picture because he couldn't see it. None of us can. What do I mean when I say that? What God is wanting to do in your life and in my life is something we cannot conceive. That's a good thing. It is beyond our vision to see what God wants to do. Why can't we see it? Two different reasons. One is that we're limited. We're not God. We do not stand outside of time. We do not have a vantage point that he can have because we just can't. We're not God. And our lenses through which we can see our limited vantage point are fractured by sin. The brokenness that exists in our lives and in our world prevents us from seeing our lives perfectly. We feel bad for Moses because he's come to this moment and he doesn't get to see the big picture. But we trust in God's plan, which is revealed in and through Moses and through the rest of the Old and New Testaments, because we know who's coming. We know that Jesus Christ is coming. And it's much bigger. God's plan here is much bigger than just one person. It's much bigger than Moses. God's plan involved Moses pointing toward a much more important reality than even himself, even the journey of the people of Israel, and that's Jesus Christ. God's vision for this church is bigger than you, and it's bigger than me. It is way bigger than any of us. What's your picture of coming to church on a Sunday? What do you envision when you come here? I talk to a lot of people uh, in this first year that we've been here. They love the fact that we're right here on the east side, that we are a local church, that we're connecting with local missions and ministries. I love that. That's part of the picture. Maybe uh, you loved it when uh, we were a video venue, when you could come here, you could watch really great teaching from Green Lake, you could enjoy that, and you could kind of scoot out the door. Maybe that was your bag, like, hey man, give me that. I'm, I'm happy with that. That's okay. Maybe you loved uh, going to Bill and Elaine's living room because it was just like this energy and just this fun and like you were part of something remarkable. Something was literally being born right in front of you. All those things are great, but here's the problem. None of those things tell the full story of what God is doing in this church. That is a part of what God has done. It is a part of our history, but it's not the whole story. It'd be like if we did this sermon series on Moses and we just focused on the fact that Moses was a murderer. Like, trot that out for 11 weeks. <laughs> or we just focused on, like, his dialogues between him and Pharaoh. Like, that'd be interesting for a little while, but, like, I would get sick of that. You guys would be really sick of it. 
We cannot focus on just one portion of our life together and expect to see what God wants to do. Remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about how Moses and the people of Israel had three choices. They could look back at their past, they could look around and enjoy their present, or they could look forward to the future that God has for them. Today is a day when I'm asking us to consider what looking forward looks like as a church community. And I think the, big, the bigness of God's vision for us is certainly bigger than any living room, and it's bigger than Peter Kirk Community Center, and it's bigger than you, and it's bigger than me. Because it involves things like leadership, which has been a part of our DNA from the get-go, and it involves things that I think will require new growth for us, flexing new muscles, and that's inviting people into our midst who would otherwise be very skeptical of church and maybe otherwise want nothing to do with church, that we would be a place where those folks could be welcomed, where they could be received, and where they could be challenged to see the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you would like to be a part of that vision, jump in. Today is the day. Each day that we gather together in worship is a day when you can jump in. But today especially is a day when if you want to be a part of the vision that we saw in that video that has now been expressed here for several years, I hope you will. I really do. Or do you want to go be at a video venue? Do you want to miss out on the community that God longs for in each of his disciples' hearts? One of my seminary professors was, uh, he could be a little crotchety at times, a little cranky, because he was a pastor in South Seattle that was leading this church, and uh, he would always have stories to bring out from that experience into his teaching. And so he uh, would always go off whenever someone would talk about volunteering at church. Like if you came up to him, and he's, he's not pastoring this church anymore, so don't worry, you won't bump into him at the grocery store. If you're like, Pastor, I'd love to volunteer at church, that's when the theological lecture would begin. <laughs> and here was his point. He would go off in these rants in class, and he would say, involvement at a church is not volunteering, because it is part of who you are if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you've said, I'm going to follow Jesus, getting involved in your church is actually part of who you are. You cannot extract your faith in Jesus Christ from serving and building and being a part of these incredible ministries that we have going on here. You can't. I didn't volunteer to be a dad. I didn't volunteer to be a husband. That's part of who I am. And like last week, we talked about how God's identity is given to us. Those things have been given to me. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the opportunity to serve and engage has been given to you too. It's part of your identity. So we're not going to talk about volunteering at Bethany Eastside. If you go home and say there was a big volunteer push at church today, you've missed the point. This is a chance to engage in your identity if you are a follower of Jesus. And so many of you get this already, and I'm so thankful for that. So many of you are like, I love that. I want to do that. I feel like there are a lot of barriers to that. Hopefully in the rest of our teaching time, we can pull back some of those barriers. But just hold that in mind. This is identity. This is not just an activity to fill up your time. This is identity when we follow Jesus Christ. And his vision for his church, again, is way bigger than any of us. It's why we need to engage and serve. It's not volunteering. It's part of your identity. And part of our identity is when we look forward, pointing forward. So go back to the video for just a sec. We'll go back to the video, and then we'll go back to the text. Two things Richard said at the very beginning that I love. The nature of life in Christ is reproductive. I love that. And that growth is a function of health. So what did he mean by that? The two things go hand in hand, actually. Jesus uses his church to reach more people. So we can expect that churches that are doing what God has called them to do are going to grow because they're going to reach people. But growth in and of itself isn't really the thing we're chasing. 
The thing that we're chasing is what God chooses to do in a church that chooses to be healthy, that sets things in motion so that we can be healthy. Those two aspects of our identity point us toward the future. Ken and I were having coffee uh, a while back, and he said something great. Uh, We were just talking about serving and getting involved here, and he said, you know what's exciting about serving at Bethany East Side is that we're building for the future. We're building for the future. Now think about this. How many churches have you maybe been a part of or, or have you seen that are building to preserve the past? And I'm a Reformed theologian, and I love the past. Like, I love our history and all that kind of stuff. But Bethany Eastside is building for the future. How about that? How about that? We're building ministries and teams and systems now so that when more people start coming through our doors, when our skeptical friends start to feel more and more welcomed here, we believe that there'll be a landing spot for them that is wonderful. An example of this is a team of people who have been working on building online small group registration for us. We're a church of 100 people that is going to be able to help people connect to small groups online. Be able to go onto our website, check it out, see where the different groups meet, what time, is there childcare, boom. That is building for the future. That is building for people who aren't here yet. I love that. Moses knew how important this was too. Maybe not the online small groups thing. He knew his time was coming to a close, so he listened to God, he blessed Joshua, his successor, and he passed the torch of leadership to him because he was building for the future. Maybe he wasn't necessarily thinking this in his own wisdom, but through the wisdom of God said, this is the guy that's going to lead Israel when I'm gone. He's going to need something. So look at verse 9 of Deuteronomy 34 with me. Like this is the same passage where Moses is dying. I mean, he's, he's done, but what's one of the very last things he does? Look at verse 9. Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him and the Israelites obeyed him, doing as the Lord had commanded Moses. This is how Moses is building for the future. He passed on this this spirit of wisdom, the spirit of leadership to his successor because he knew that people would need leaders in in the promised land. And this is so interesting too. Moses didn't see what God saw. He didn't have the whole picture. He didn't know that Joshua was going to mess some stuff up. He didn't know about the nation of Israel splitting in two later on. He didn't know any of that. All he needed to know was that God had handed him someone who was going to build the future. And he could bless him and he could leverage his influence now to bless that community later on. Moses did not see what God saw, but he looked toward the future by blessing Joshua. Today, I'm asking all of us to help build the future at Eastside. Where do we start? Let's look at some numbers. There's a tremendous effort that goes into just making Sundays happen here at Bethany. And one of our graphic designers put together this slide for us. So I'll stand out of the way. Every Sunday here, these are our ideals. Set up and tear down, worship, ushers and greeters, children's, hospitality, audiovisual. Some of these numbers have changed a little bit, but for the most part, this is bare minimum what we need to have this going on every Sunday. We have probably not reached these numbers in a while. We've been pretty threadbare. And that's the summer, that's people being gone, I get it. But this is what we need to make all of the different wonderful pieces of Sunday morning happen. And by the way, we are not limited in our definition as a church to what happens here on Sundays. This is one expression of what it means to be the church. I want us to be a part of so much more than just Sundays. And we already are. 
but this is bare minimum of what it needs. So if you just want to get your head around that, I'm going to lay out a couple of ways that this happens. We need to expand the circle so that we can meet, not numbers, but we can meet the needs of leadership that this kind of church needs. We need to connect more people to ministries that in some cases have kind of been hanging on by a thread. We've had, we had a great crew come in and help us set up and tear down this morning. That's the first time we've had a, really a, a big group of people help in a while. It went great. We are really hurting in terms of setup and teardown. Ken has an amazing vision for our ministry to families. To those kids, look, let me look at them right over there, caring for them, shepherding them, steering them. The kids that are out in preschool where my son is, our nursery where my daughter is. Ken's vision and his team's vision for that is remarkable. And we need more folks to step in and help lead there. And it doesn't mean you have to be really good at holding babies. It doesn't mean you're going to be stuck in the nursery until Jesus comes back. It means... With joy, those of us who have kids and who don't can bless our kids. And part of that commitment, too, isn't just leading kids. It's not just teaching. We need folks who are going to be willing to help us keep our kids safe and help make sure all of the protocols that we have across the Bethany family are in place so that our kids have the best possible opportunity to learn and grow every Sunday. Darcy is having a party over there, Cooks. That's awesome. Allie has a tremendous vision for worship. She's an artist. She's brilliant. She wants to make sure that what's up here every Sunday engages the heart in powerful ways. And she needs help connecting with artists and musicians and folks who want to be a part of leading things up here too. Next week, you're going to see the fruit of one of our newest teams, our small group team. That's when the small group fair is going to happen. That's a group of people who have a vision for what small groups can look like at the east side. You could jump in in there. There's a group of people forming a care team where we are making sure we stay in touch with people in our community who are in need. We make sure that when the Paisleys have a baby that they got plenty of food and that they're taken care of. We need new leaders. We need new servants. We need new people to step in and take responsibility for these things in ways that work, in ways that engage, not just like, oh gosh, I have to be there every Sunday. No. We have this wonderful tool called Planning Center, which means you don't have to think that way. But I want to go back to the text for just a minute. Joshua, I think, followed Moses' lead, and he kept building out teams of people. Because remember when Moses did this? His father-in-law Jethro came to him and said, you're judging, you're sitting in judgment over the people of Israel, you're doing this all by yourself, this is unsustainable. And so he went out and brought more people in. I I think Joshua took a page from that playbook too. There's a bigger circle of leadership that is needed for a vision this big. And never in my life, never in my ministry have I felt the pressure of that and the precise needs of a community of people like I have here. And I'm confident, and I am filled with confidence about how all of us are going to find ways to engage with Christ and the work that he's doing here and in our community. And you don't have to do this alone. So we're going to wrap up and and pray together. But before we do that, I want to give you a couple of instructions. At the back of the room, you saw there are two tables, and they have sign-up sheets for a variety of different ministries there. Uh, These are not volunteer opportunities, right? This is identity. If you follow Jesus Christ, you should look at those sheets as a way to grow and express the identity that God's given to you. And if you already serve, thank you. Thank you. Would you consider inviting someone to be a part of the way that you serve, inviting someone new to come check out kids' ministries with you, to come be a part of Set Up Teardown with you. There is nothing better than a personal invitation to go serve. And if you haven't yet found a way to serve, today is going to be a great day. 
because there are all sorts of opportunities to serve over there, and there are going to be people, actual flesh and blood people, that you can talk to about why do you serve a set-up teardown, and what does that involve, and how do, Paige, how do you make the coffee so good? Like, tell me, like, come on. Randy can tell you about audiovisual stuff. All of our leaders are going to be around. So if you see someone with a blue badge on, they can help you figure out where you can connect. And if you just don't know, if you're like, I, I could do anything, just put your name down on one of our blank sheets, and I or Allie or one of our team will get in touch with you. It is really humbling to be reminded of the vision that kind of launched us in this, this direction, the 2020 vision. And there's a lot more stuff that that vision started that we haven't figured out yet. There's a lot more that God wants to do that we have not put our hands on yet. My response to any kind of big vision like that is to pray. And so I want to invite you to pray. At the very bottom of your outline, there's a section that says three rocks. So I want you to draw three circles at the bottom of your outline. Be about the size of a quarter. It doesn't matter how they're arranged. Just draw three circles, please. And above the first circle, I want you to write the word vocation or work. So the first circle, vocation. The second circle, I want you to write family and neighbors. Family and neighbors. Just right above it. And above the third circle, I'd like for you to write church. And what I'm going to ask us to do is this. I'm going to invite Allie to come back up here and play quietly. And as she does, I don't want you to do anything yet except just listen. And look at those three lenses, those three rocks, if you want to call them that. And just hold them out before God. It may be as simple as asking this question, Father, what is your vision for my vocation this fall? What's your vision for my work, my office, my school, my calling? What's your vision for my kids if you're a stay-at-home parent? And I want you to do the same with the other two. Simple question. What's your vision, Father, for my family and for my neighbors? What's your vision for my church? This kind of comes to us from different moments in the Old Testament when God would do something powerful and miraculous. He would kind of sweep through a community, and the community would stop, and they would build a monument. They would sometimes be as simple as piling stones together. And the purpose of that was to say, God did something here. And I would love for you to take a moment and look at those three rocks and say, God, what do you want to do here at Peter Kirk? What do you want to do here in my heart, in my life, in my vocation? And I want us to keep in mind that the vision that God will have for us in each of these three rocks is is way bigger than anything we could think of. It's so much bolder. It's so much more incredible. And that's a good thing. Jesus is doing what he has promised to do in his church, which is this. This is Philippians 1.6. I am confident of this, that he who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. What would you like to see Jesus bring to completion in each of those three areas of your life? We'll have some time to be silent, to listen, to reflect. And would you consider joining Jesus in his work here at Eastside? Let's be silent together, let's listen, and then I'll pray for us in just a little while.